Good morning and welcome to Second Chances. Thank you everybody for joining us either Facebook Live or if you're listening on the podcast. Uh, we appreciate it. I um, hope everybody's having a good week so far. Before we get started, I uh, want to open us up in a word of prayer and then we'll uh, we'll rock and roll. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for, I know I say this a lot, but thank you for yet another day to, to take a breath. Our world is chaotic and uh, things are very uncertain, but I am very grateful that the one thing that is certain is that we have a purpose. And uh, I thank you for, for the grace and the mercy that enables us to have that purpose. And I pray that we have a desire inside of us that drives us to, to understand that purpose. And, and uh, I thank you for, for all the blessings and, you know, the hard times and the good times. And I just thank you for everything that you've given us in life and, and God, that we may um, use our life uh, to do something deeper than, than just what's in front of us, God. And, and thank you again. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I hope everybody's having a good week. Um, you know, the, uh, the presidential debate was this week. I'm not going to talk about it, you know, which is, which is great. Uh, cause I, I, I don't know if anything, anything positive came out of that. Um, but it did prompt me to think about, about our world, um, uh, about the things that, that we're all going through, the things that we're all struggling with. And, um, as I was going through my own Bible study with, with a good friend of mine, he's a pastor, and and uh, and, and we've been getting together for a while now, and, and we've been going over the the miracles of Jesus, the miracles of God, both Old Testament and New Testament, and uh, you know I got a chance to to lead the study this week, and as we were going through this miracle, you know I, I surely thought that because I've heard this miracle thousands of times, and that that it was going to be you know, uh, a pretty quick study. Uh, but as we dove into it, there was a lot more there than, than what, if you take it at face value, what, what it was there like that. So it was, it was really cool. And so because of that, that definitely um, prompted me that this was something that I needed to, that I needed to share about that I needed to go into a deeper study on. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So uh, if you have a Bible uh, on your phone, your tablet, uh, old school handheld Bible. Um, you know, if, if you'll turn to to Matthew chapter eight, starting in verse twenty three. Um, now we are going to compare this text to uh, the other accounts of of this miracle, both in Mark four thirty five and in Luke eight chapter twenty two. Um, so I'm going to read those three passages, uh, and then and then we're going to go into it. So we'll start in Matthew chapter eight verses twenty three through twenty seven. And, and then we'll go to Mark, and then we'll go into Luke. So uh, Matthew 8 says, And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep, and they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. Chapter Verse 26, And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? Now Mark's account, uh, we, we see a little bit of, of a different part of that story. So Mark uh, chapter 4, verse 35. 
On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were there with him. Uh, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. When he was in the, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him, said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and sea obey him? And yet we get a slightly different account uh, in Luke chapter 8, 22. It says, And he got into the boat with the disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went to him and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And why? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Now, to get a little bit of a, of a background, a context for what happened What's going on here? We need to take a look back at what just happened. So uh, as we look in, in, in Matthew, uh, we can see that Jesus had just got finished teaching to, to a large crowd, uh, you know, near the Sea of Galilee. Now, for geographical knowledge, uh, the sea itself is, is eight miles uh, in width and 13 miles long. So it is in, in no counts uh, small. It is rather large. Based on the ge ge geography and the topography of the area, it was not uncommon at all, especially as it relates to sea level and being so low, uh, it was not at all uncommon for, for large, massive storms to rage across these waters from time to time. Things I want us to focus on in this story, uh, because if you take it at, you know, Jesus calmed the storm, they had no faith, and that was that, you know, you, you, we miss a great deal of, of why. Um, so, what Jesus had just talked to the crowd about in Matthew before boarding the boat. You know, we see starting in verse 18, you know, now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave the orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. In verse 21, another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. So he says this. This is right before he departs. The disciples are around listening to this. Um, you know, I guess Christians or some Christians or one might assume that when walking with Jesus, life can be nothing but rainbows, right? Why would Jesus let anything bad happen, right? My life is going to be perfect. My life is going to be angst-free. But as we see later in this passage, life with Jesus requires faith. And just as he states, you know, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, life is going to be full of, of unknowns and, and scary moments that, that make us feel out of control. Shocker, because we aren't actually in control. But moments that fully require us to rely on, on Jesus, to rely on God to get us through. Um, another thing that, that I think is important for us to look at is 
what Jesus says to the disciples before they get on the boat. Now, not that the account is different, but it's more detailed based on who is writing this. And, you know, Luke is a physician, so a lot of his accounts are are way more detailed. So we see that detailed conversation both in Mark and in Luke right before they get on the boat. In Mark 35, it says, And on that day when evening come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And in Luke 8, 22, we see that again. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across the other side of the lake. So he, he gives them the destination, right? Uh, another thing that I think is super important is that Jesus is asleep. And, you know, it's not a big deal. He's, he's tired, but we never read of Jesus sleeping. We don't see his sleeping patterns, his sleeping habits, because most of the time, when he when he when he retreats we see him on watch you know throughout the night praying to his father praying for peace praying for comfort praying for whatever but we see him on watch um we see him rest here showing that he's fully man uh his teachings his work his labor takes a physical toll he knows that the storm is coming also right because he's he's god um, but he has total faith in his father, and that's why he's at peace. Uh, another thing that I think is important that, that my buddy pointed out was uh, these dudes are fishermen, right? So when the storm comes and these fishermen are used to the sea, right? They should have been in storms before. This should not have been new to them, but this storm freaked them out, right? Because it's filling up with water. It's something that they can't control, and it makes total sense for them to turn and beg for help. Um, I had heard this before um, from, from, from commentary from, from a man named Wearsby, but this is important. I want us to not miss this, right? And we can see, and, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So the storm came because they obeyed the Lord and not because they were disobedient like Jonah. You know, Jonah's running away, hops in a boat, tries to run away, and the storm comes because he's disobedient. But this storm came because the disciples were obedient and followed the Lord. And, and, and we're going to go into that in a little bit more detail in just a second. Now, as we, as we look at when the storm actually happens with the disciples on the boat, there's three reasons why the disciples should have not been stressed out by the storm. Number one, they had his promise that they were getting to the other side. We see it in Mark 4, and we see it in Luke 20, uh, 8.22. How often do we forget or neglect the promises of God because we're not walking with him, right? They had his promise because, and they heard it clear because they're walking with Jesus. They're doing life with him. So right then and there, they get his promise that, hey, we're going to the other side. We've got the destination. But how often do you and I miss that or better yet, do we forget it? because we are not walking with him. We're not reading his word. The playbook of life is, is right there. And, and, and with our day and age today, it's literally in the palm of our hand all of the time. But we miss it. We forget it. We neglect it. He did make them a promise that they would get to their destination. And no matter what we think, no matter what we perceive, Nothing stops the plan of God. Number two, they had Jesus with them. 
they had seen miracles. Keep in mind, up to this point, they had seen Jesus heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, created food from basically nothing. There was nothing, turning water into wine. There was nothing miraculous that they had not seen Jesus already perform. Right? There was no doubt to question what this, this God, their God, the Lord, fully man, fully God, could do for them. They had seen it. What more proof do they need? I know that, you know, we, we may say in our own lives, well, if I, if I could just see it, then I'd believe it. They were seeing it, right? And that's the crazy part is they were seeing it. They had them, Jesus, right next to them in the boat, knowing everything that, they, that he had already done. They should have been, and we should be, in complete confidence because they were walking, in this case, boating, doing life with Jesus, with, with God himself. Number three, and this is what I, that I've passed over hundreds of times in reading this, was they, that they could see that Jesus was at peace. He was sleeping, right? He was so in tune with the will of his Father that he was not at all worried. If the creator of life, of our world, of you and me, is not worried with the storm, is not anxious with the storm that is imminent, why should we be? We don't know what's coming next. That's what I'm getting at here. Jesus, God, creator of the universe, creator of life, knower of what's coming next, what's at the end of time, because he's been there. If he's not worried with the storms in your life, because he knows that they're for a purpose, why are we? We will be able to see and feel the peace of Jesus if and when, here's the key word, we choose to walk with him. Right? If you, if you remember back, the disciples made that choice to drop everything at the beginning of this journey and, and follow him. If and when we choose to do that and, and, and daily do life in the will of God and ask for, hey, what is the purpose of today? What is the purpose of me? What do you have me going through this for? We will feel that peace and see that God is at peace with the storms that are coming because they're for a purpose. And it's not to drag you down, but to build you up for what's coming next. Wearsby again says it best. They were in the storm because they were obedient, not because they disobeyed like Jonah's storm. I think that's that's huge, right? We, we always look at things that happen in our life and oh, this must be happening to me because I made a bad decision because I, I did this, I, you know, whatever. I didn't do this and now now the storm's coming. No, not necessarily, right? A lot of the storms that we go through are for a purpose. And you say, Travis, what's that purpose? That's, you know, that's just what you say to make yourself feel okay. But, but really, look at this. Look at this storm, this literal storm. They chose to follow Jesus into this boat, and then the storm still came, right? So we have to ask, why, right? You see, Jesus questions their faith, right? We see it on all three accounts, in, in Matthew, 
we, we see that he questions, I'm pulling it up to read it to you verbatim. He says, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? In Mark, we see, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Now, think of what they had seen Jesus do up to that point. They had scriptures, right? So they could see the miracles of the Old Testament, and then they got to see it. Have you still no faith? Now, think of every account that you and I have of the Bible, right? Of all of these, these stories, these miraculous signs. And he still says, have you still no faith? And then in Luke, we see a similar thing. He says, where is your faith? Imagine this. He's got to be thinking as a man, dude, bro's like, I look at what I've just done. Look at all these miracles I've performed, and yet you still doubt me? He's got to be thinking like, guys, my first miracle was my birth. Right? My last miracle on earth up to this point, it, it was, was raising myself from the dead. And the next miracle is me coming back and vanquishing everything. But he's saying to us, still, where's your faith? Where is it? Still, you have no faith. Why is that? It's because we're caught up in the storm. And you know what? That's a fully normal human thing to get caught up in. Caught up in. But just like I think it's important for when new believers become new believers is to separate yourself from that old life. I think it's really important for us when we're in that storm to take a step back, take a deep breath, go into the closet, whatever. And remove yourself from that situation and immediately pray, right? We see the disciples do one thing really well, and that's the first thing. And it makes the most sense because he's right there. But we don't see the account of them trying to do this work themselves, you know, freaking out. How do we plug this, the, the holes in this boat? How do we get the water out, right? It's immediate. They turn to Jesus and they beg and they plead for help, right? We were going to come into moments where our faith or lack thereof is, is so minimal that we begin to be terrified and we begin to be scared. And what did they do? It's immediate. They woke him up and said, save us. Now, on some accounts, it says, do you not care about us? Right. Again, because they're in the storm and they're thinking only thinking of themselves. Right? This is the first time we see them worried, you know, in the midst of Jesus performing all of his miracles because it's finally something scary is happening to them. Right? It's easy on the outside when we watch a friend or a family member go through a storm and we're like, it's okay, you know, things happen for a reason, yada, yada, yada. And we have the faith, right? Because it's not happening to us when we're in the storm ourselves. This is what I, what, what I want to talk about today. When we're in that storm ourselves, for lack of a better phrase, we, we really need to practice what we preach as Christians. And we see the disciples do that, right? I'll give them mad props for that. They turned to Jesus and said, we're scared. And then he says to them, you shouldn't have been. Right, which is what he's going to say to us when we when we stop and we ask and we beg and we say, We I need you, I'm scared. He's gonna he's gonna calm the storm. Right, that's the first thing he does. There is no immediate rebuking of wow, you guys are so dumb. I can't believe you didn't listen to me. I can't believe you, you didn't think that I could do this. He he stops, he wakes up, he calms the storm, he rebukes the wind and the sea. 
And then he says, you didn't need to be afraid. Where's your faith? Right? And that's what he's going to say to us. That's what he is trying to say to us when we're in these storms. But we first have to stop and we have to turn to him. Right? And that's why I think that this is the first, one of the first accounts we have of the disciples freaking out in the midst of a storm is, is because they're fearful finally for themselves. And it's totally normal to do that. But Jesus's actions and then his words should speak volumes. He, he calms the storm, creates a peace, which is what he will do in our lives. He will create that peace. He will stop the storm and give reason. And then he'll, he'll say to us, you don't need to be afraid. Why do you still have no faith? Right? I've provided and I will continue to provide. And look at everything I've done for you. You don't need to be afraid. Yeah, I think that this, there's a lot to this story in, than other than Jesus controls nature. Which, by the way, nerd moment. If we look back at biblical era, right, and, and we look at it, the way a city was constructed, and we, we typically have walls around a city, right? It, it was thought that everything inside that city is in control, right? There's control because we have the walls. Typically, the sea would, would lay outside the city. You wouldn't build a city around the sea. But anything outside city walls was, was deemed uncontrollable, right? So that's part of the... Uh, of what the statement means is, look, who is this man that even the wind and the sea obey him? Because those typically lie outside the realm of control. And I'm quoting that for those listening. So Jesus's miracles up to that point had typically been inside, quote unquote, the realm of, of control. And then here we see this massive miracle where now he's in control of, quote unquote, again, the things outside the realm of control. So it wasn't just that, oh, wow, he controls nature. It's He controls the uncontrollable. And that speaks volumes for us. Again, reading this thousands years later is Jesus is control of everything. What we deem controllable and what we deem uncontrollable. It's, it's all the same because in reality, we, we have no control over anything. We, we think that we do, right? And that, that's a false sense of security right there. We think that we can handle it. But Jesus, God is in control of everything, every aspect of our life, every aspect of our, our universe. But we see, we won't see that peace until like what the disciples did. They, they turned to Jesus. They said, oh, we're scared. Save us. And then again, I can just imagine Jesus wrapping us up in a hug and saying, you don't need to be afraid. I've got you. You need to have faith. And then here's why. And I, and I can imagine the peace that not only did they, that they saw, but then they felt. We no longer have anything to worry about. This man controls the uncontrollable. And he did it with his words. And that's how we should feel. That, that's, that's the important part of this story is, is watching this and, and realizing that the peace that should come with, that will come with that, excuse me, that will come with that. And I think that's so pertinent and relevant to today. You know, we watch our world and it is quite literally falling apart. You know, not just in the United States, but look outside of that, right? Look, look, look at all the craziness 
and, and, the, and the nasty stuff that's happening in our world, right? We're in the midst of a storm, a global one, not just with this pandemic, but, but all the other stuff that's happening, the sex trafficking, right? The, the wars that are going on, the mass murders, the, you know, governments that are just out of control. Our world is in a massive storm. And if we choose to get caught up in the storm, I'm not saying don't pay attention and do what we can to help, but if we get caught up in the storm and let us let it pull us down in this metaphorical boat, we will never, one, get to feel the peace. We will never get to see the power of Jesus. And we will never understand the purpose. Right? I'm going to wrap up with this because I think it's really important. Going off of what the commentary from Wearsby said, you know, they were in the storm because they were obedient, not because they were they disobeyed like Jonah. As a Christ follower, in capital letters, when you encounter a storm, don't be fearful. Like the disciples on the raging sea, he is allowing that storm to happen for a purpose. There is something inside of you that needs to be edified, that needs to be cultivated for a purpose, for his purpose. We are going through that storm being obedient because something inside of us needs to be edified for his purpose. He is using us. There's massive peace in that. And I just, I I, I pray that you add that into your, your prayer life this week, that God, what, what is the purpose here? How are you going to use me? Can you give me peace? That's how we need to come to Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your message and thank you for uh, the, the miracles, God. And thank you for the peace that we know comes with turning to you. God, and the peace that knowing you're in control. God, I pray that you allow us to give up that, that false sense of security that, that we're in control. God, I pray that you allow us to turn everything over to you and what peace that will be when we do that. There will be joy to be able to give everything over to you, God. And thank you for the, the grace and the mercy of, of your son coming down and, and living out a perfect life and dying for us on the cross in our place. And God, again, we can't thank you enough. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.